Hello and welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Ross Frustic, and today I'm joined by Allegra Frank. Hi. How are you? Ah. Oh, wow. That's what we like to hear. We also have a very special guest. Chris Plant uh, technically is in the office today, but unable to join us. But that is okay. And I'd even go as far as to say great, because Uh, we have a special guest in John Boyce of SB Nation fame. Welcome, John. Well, thank you. I love y'all Polygon buddies. It's great to uh, great to be here. We bring Vox Media together on crappy coffee tables, don't we? <laughs> it's a very bad table. It is. Well, I'm, I'm happy we could get together because I kind of feel like we're, you know, SB Nation and Polygon are kind of close cousins. We are both dedicated to screwing around and messing stuff up and mm-hmm. playing games. So Very um, true. Yeah. People forget that sports are also a game. Yeah. I forget that all the time. <laughs> My uh, motto but... is that uh, sports are sometimes more than a game. Sports are a way of life. Mm. That's a phrase I made up. You know what? That should go on the front of a book somewhere. <laughs> and the back, too. I'd give you both. I think it should go on the back of a shirt that says Gamer. And then uh, you think it's about video games, but it's about sports. Today we are talking about the thing <laughs> that people who love sports and love games never think about, but probably impacted more people than you might imagine, especially if you live in the U.S. I don't know internationally whether this is the case, but we're going to be talking about TI-83 gaming. John brought this topic to me, and I was like, holy cow, everyone has fond memories of this. Oh, yeah. But I don't even, like, first of all, I don't even know... What that thing did. Like, <laughs> I'm not a math guy. I know it did lines. I remember typing in mm-hmm. algorithms. But how that was useful to my education, couldn't tell you. Mm-mm. Well, I found algebra really interesting as a kid. And that's kind of where my education stopped scientifically and mathematically. Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, linear programming. That's cool. Okay, I'm done forever with learning. <laughs> so like, when to that point of, of mathematical understanding, uh, TI calculators were really useful for me. But more uh, more importantly, they were Game Boys that you could bring to school. Hell yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That was the amazing aspect of them. You could play surprisingly in-depth games mm-hmm. on these cal- – like, I feel like no- – that was the majority of the time spent on them, was that. It wasn't work-related. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Like, that work was, like, 5% of it, uh-huh. and it was all these <laughs> outrageous games. Um, do you, so, origins of it. Where did this thing come together? Like, it's been around for quite a while, right? It has. Um, Texas Instruments started making pocket calculators in the 60s. Mm-hmm. They kind of monopolized the business. And um, by the late 80s, early 90s, they were making full graphing calculators where you could actually put, like, an X and Y axis and sure. use an equation to generate, like, some lines and stuff. Um, and uh, by the time the mid to late 90s rolled around, they introduced the TI-83 calculator, which um, at the time was pretty advanced. Um, the funny thing about the 83 is that basically the same calculator is sold today for the very same price. So back in the day, a TI calculator would cost about $120, which is exactly what it costs now, mm-hmm. <laughs> despite the fact that you can buy a totally good Chromebook for like 175 bucks, <laughs> or you can buy this little like weird Tamagotchi thing that doesn't even make any noise for 120 That's Tamagotchi. horrifying. Yeah, the, so I actually looked this up. The Washington Post estimates that it costs between $15 and $20 for them to make them. So their margin is enormous. What the oh, heck yeah. is that money going into? I don't know. It's 
I'm starting to think that capitalism is bad. (laughs) I'll get back to y'all. But this thing really should, especially because you're talking about like public schools, right? You know, like I went Mm -hmm. to a public high school and um, a lot of it's like, you know, luckily, like I could scratch together the, you know, 100 bucks it took to buy an 83. But like a lot of kids either can't or it's very hard for them and their families to do that. Mm -hmm. It seems reasonable to me that you would, you know, turn around that for like, even just like a 50% profit and sell it for 30 bucks. But sure. they're not going to do that. The reason why uh, 83s dominate the market is that's what teachers know. It's the buttons they know how to push. It's the screen they know how to look at. Uh, and it's it's the, the market saturated. They don't want to change because math isn't changing. So why change anything else? Math isn't changing? I don't think so. It might. Who knows? <laughs> math is... Would we notice if it changed? You did say your mathematical knowledge stopped <laughs> at one point. So. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't learn variables yet. So. Uh, I do also get the impression that the reason they still ex- exist because they've like done a very good job with lobbying and like connecting themselves with all of the educational standards so that if you don't have that, it just like your picture won't match, you know, it won't match what's in the book. Oh, yeah. So you're kind of screwed that way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There was sort of, it was a weird sort of scarlet letter situation, I remember, because one of my friends, we all had TI calculators, because that's what was recommended, except for one kid who had a Casio graphing calculator, mm-hmm. which on paper was cooler because it was a color screen. It had multiple colors and stuff, but everyone was like, like what is that? <laughs> what is that? Like, it's like when, you know, every kid on your block had an NES, but then like the super rich kid had like a Neo Geo. And they're like, yeah, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so we have this TI-83 calculator. People are kind of just forced to use it, and it still costs an outrageous amount of money. I actually, I looked up the processor. Yeah, I, I remember uh, in your notes you mentioned the, was it the Z80 processor? Z80, yeah. You can buy them on eBay. Mm-hmm. They're like, they're very cheap, aren't they? They're like two bucks. <laughs> yeah. This I found so one actually, $1.95, <laughs> but two sixty in shipping. Awesome. So that's how they get you. <laughs> that's always how they get you. Ultimate dad complaint. Uh, they get you with the shipping and handling. That's how they get your dough. Um, yeah, uh, the uh, Z80 processor, I think, was developed in, a ni- in 1976, mm-hmm. which is, you know, way older than even I am. So mm-hmm. uh, it seems insane to me that something that runs on that symbol of a processor is literally $120. Do you, do you remember when you first started hearing, like, oh, this thing runs games? Um, I think it was sort of, I guess my sophomore year of high school when we finally all were supposed to get them. I can't remember exactly when I found out, but I did fall in love with it pretty quick because the thing about the TI-83 is that it supports programming. Mm-hmm. So you, if you want to, if you want to get adventurous, you can make your own games. Mm-hmm. It has a TI basic language, which any kid who is programmed in basic, you know, remembers that. Um, it's actually like really easy to figure out. And um, before long, like everyone in my, we did, we had no kind of computer programming class or anything like that. But like within, you know, the end of the first semester, like every kid was making games, like like guys on the football team, whatever. <laughs> everyone was like making their own little text adventure games and stuff. Um, and I think that's how, that's really what got us into TI calculators as like a gaming platform. I feel like I'm dumb. 
because <laughs> because I knew that they played games and I was able to get games on it, mm-hmm. but it never occurred to me. No part of my brain was like, I'm going to make my own. Like, that <laughs> seems like work. I'm I, just going to download <laughs> I made games that only made sense to me, I think, <laughs> where it was just like if you put in a certain set of numbers, some other completely arbitrary set of numbers would come out. And is I would that a be game? Like, this is fun. That's a game? <laughs> That's all it would do? Oh, yeah, just like a random number generator? Yeah. Well, not really, because it was always the same numbers, but it's just like, I would be like, if you put in 927 and then put in 3, 4,000 will show up. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a blast. Yeah. Well, no, that is wild, though. That's a crazy feeling, like, when you're (laughs) used to be, like, programs being so cryptic, and you're like, oh, man, this computer did what I told it to do. That's insane. Even though it didn't make any sense, I don't know what it it got out of it. It did what you wanted, (laughs) right? Um, I did want to mention, so Texas Instruments, who obviously makes this calculator, has a group. Mike had a really good article about this. Uh, They're called the... Teachers Teaching for Technology, yes. or T3. Do you know anything about this organization? Uh, only vaguely. Uh, I actually, there is a very good uh, YouTube channel called LGR that uh, I watched a couple of videos in preparation for this episode, and um, he went into it um, very briefly talking about how, like, Triple T or whatever it's called uh, kind of um, helped saturate the market and monopolize TI as a as an entity, right? Yeah. They also have a phone number that you can call. It's called, it's 1-800-TI-CARES is the phone <laughs> number. And I think it's probably like the Butterball hotline where you can call and they'll like give you tips on how to do stuff on the calculator. <laughs> but they are uh, very endemic to uh, to education. So I, it is a it is a mighty force. And I feel like if you called, they would not help Allegra with her number game. No. They would be very perplexed. (laughs) They would probably congratulate you. It's a cool game. Thank you. Um, so you are. So you jumped right in. Oh yeah. You started making games right off the bat. Do you remember like the first like legit game that you made? Um, I made a text-based RPG in which you went and battled um, teachers from my school. <laughs> uh, which I almost I don't think that, of, that would be good now. No, it wasn't good now. <laughs> I had to sort of make sure it was like non-violent. Okay, it's like good. we are battling each other with like arguments and <laughs> that uh, kind of thing. But it was still just diplomacy. like yeah, yeah, right. It's the, like that kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, basically, it was kind of like that. Yeah, um, and um, it was an amazing experience for me because honestly I was just making this game literally for myself I was like I just want to see if I can make this game and put my math teacher and my engineering teacher and stuff in this game Um, and then I shared it with people and I remember like on the school bus like two weeks later some kid I didn't even know was playing it and that was such a formative experience in my life I was like Oh, I want to make stuff. <laughs> it was so cool. So you share, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, it would share over the like headphone jack? Like what was the, how did you uh, connect them? It was the most unusual um, data transfer um, <laughs> mechanism I, I think I've ever seen. It was literally a stereo 3.5 millimeter head, headphone right. jack, which like I've never seen that used for data transfer ever. But um, yeah, you got a cable and you just hook up to another kid's um, calculator and um, you could share whatever games you wanted. It's basically like Pokemon on calculators. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The Pokemon Link. Yeah. yeah. Which they did have Pokemon for TI-83 um, Really? Also. Yes, yeah. they did. What? We actually, yeah, we had a couple people write in for the reader-only memory section that they played Pokemon. <gasps> mm-hmm. Oh, man. So it's right. very exciting. I don't, so that's where it gets to like, like I get 
sure, you can make a text-based adventure game, but, like, were you doing art in yours, or was it just text? Um, mine was mostly text. There was, like, some simple kind of sure. art you could do. Um, the real sort of chasm that you had to cross to do the graphically cool stuff was um, dip into, like, uh, assembly language, which um, technically TI calculators supported assembly language, uh, which is something so complicated that I can't even really tell you what it is. Uh, I tried to start learning it one time, and I was like, ah, hell no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> and like, um, But if you could learn how to do that, then you could port um, Mario Brothers, you could port Sonic the Hedgehog, you could make Street Fighter 2, you could do whatever. That was a gulf I never never totally crossed. Street Fighter 2 was my, one of my most vivid experiences playing on TI-83, mostly because it only allowed for Ryu versus Ryu. Oh. <laughs> that was all you could do because the memory couldn't handle anything more involved. I think they might have said that the other one was Ken, but it was essentially the same I love, model. I have an undying love for like hyper simple fighting games yeah. where there are three moves. There's like punch, kick, and dragon punch, which is just <laughs> kicking and punching at the same time. Yeah, it really, it. and it like totally tapped into that very simple, easy nature of mm-hmm. uh, gaming. That, But like the standards were so low, right? Because... Mm-hmm. The concept of bringing a Game Boy to school wasn't an option. Like, you couldn't play that in class. Mm -mm. So, like, literally any game that they could have thrown on there would have been a huge boon. But the fact that they were, like, legit games on there was, like, wow. Yeah, yeah, expectations were so low. And also, like, I mean, it's it's really important to note that, I mean, the games obviously were all free. Mm -hmm. Um, So they accomplished this sort of ecosystem that... You know, the Game Boy or whatever else never could, which is Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I'll try all these games and we're going to like build this like really crazy sort of grassroots gaming community um, among people who otherwise would never play games. It was kind of like the proto iPhone or something. Right. And it's also interesting when this all came out, because obviously like mid to late 90s, like Internet's obviously a thing. We're in like the heart of like AOL territory, Mm -hmm. but not everyone has the Internet at this point. So like that one kid that has that source which uh, you called out, what is the website called, uh, ticalc.org? The big one, as I recall, was ticalc.org, yeah. yeah. And that was, like, the go-to source and rem- and is still around today. It is, Dang. and it looks, like, exactly the same as it did, like, 18 years ago. It's wow. really crazy. And they still have all the files, all the games I remember. I was looking through the site. Files that were uploaded in 1997 are still there. You can still download them. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. They, they, no art on the site. It's just text. And it, it, honestly, <laughs> I mean, it could be a GeoCity site. Like, it's, that's what it feels like. But they haven't yeah. really updated the, ca- uh, the calculator either, right? It's right. It's the same thing. So why bother with the website, Pretty much, although I will have y'all know that uh, the TI-84 Plus, which is out now, mm-hmm. the newest version of it, um, they have a they have flash ROM storage of mm. nearly half a megabyte. <laughs> yeah, so that's like the big, that's the that's the big improvement over um, 20 years ago. I'm trying to imagine like if, if they really threw their weight behind like new technology to make a new graphing calculator, what could we do? I think it's Mario sixty four. Do you think we could be buying Mario sixty four? <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, I would think definitely. I mean, this does feed into my my personal belief, which that's all it is really. But I think that um, when it comes to consumer gaming tech, whatever, I feel like we've got enough and it's fine, and mm-hmm. we should just make everything cheaper because everything's as good as it needs to get. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, the future's bad. The present's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I want to I want to start talking about some of these games because obviously there's a big one. And that's drug war. I think oh, yeah. everybody played drug war. No, I, what's drug you, war? What? Oh. <laughs> Allegra, little baby Allegra. <laughs> I never played drug war. <laughs> oh, man. John, do you want to do the honors? I would love to. So there was really no... 
Drug Drug War was probably like the Dread Pirate Roberts of gaming, and then there was never any single one really. There sure. were just like fifty million different instances of Drug War um, that kids would program themselves, and um, it was supposed to be. Did you ever play the game Lemonade Stand where you have to set prices on your lemonade stand, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing? And these days we have Cookie Clicker is like a modern version of that. Yeah, yeah. These oh, like I love Cookie games. Clicker. Yes, yes. yes. Or okay. like um, Paperclip Salesman, mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. those kinds of games. Yeah, this is like a proto example of that, except it was supposed to be like, oh, it's drugs. It's so edgy. <laughs> but it's like these were programmed by like – 14-year-old doofuses that, like, couldn't even differentiate, like, individual drugs. <laughs> like, they're just, like, all drugs are the same drugs. So, like... Super crack. <laughs> Super crack. It would be seriously... Um, some, some of these games were so badly made that it would start with, like, you have 100 drugs, sell drugs. <laughs> and then you'd hit yes, and it would be like, you have zero drugs, sell drugs. You hit yes again, and then the game would crash. And it'd be, like, the entire game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, standards weren't, weren't very high, but again, we didn't care. No, nope. we were playing uh, a game with drugs in it. <laughs> exactly, for free at school. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, multiplayer Tetris. Did you ever play? I don't think I ever played multiplayer Tetris on that thing. I had never played multiplayer Tetris on like any platform. I mm-hmm. never played it on like a Game Boy, Game Link, or whatever. But what you could do, um, and it was kind of ingenious because there was no um, reason you should have been able to do this, evidently, really. But you could get um, a TI-83 and you could connect two of them together with that 3.5 millimeter mm-hmm. jack, and you could play just like a live um, head-to-head, like almost like a null modem style game. And it was like it was so much fun. Yeah, we would honestly we would we would during class we would gamble on games. We would like put money on games and stuff. And teacher was like he thought it was cool. So he was like, ah, yeah, cool. I was gonna ask where your teacher teacher. was. Okay, (laughs) this was Kentucky. I should. uh, Do you have to like pay that up? Is there like a vig to the teacher? (laughs) There should have been. If he knew what he was doing, there really should have been. Yeah, that seems uh, definitely justifiable. (laughs) Uh, Did you ever use a TI eighty nine like ever? Actually, it's funny. Mentioned, um, I I was such a dork that um, my first summer job I was like pushing cor- carts at the grocery store and I saved up enough money to on my own buy a TI eighty nine which was like hundred and ninety dollars wow. or something which is just like and I I definitely didn't need one for school I just <laughs> wanted it because it was cooler it had the LCD screen had a higher resolution you could do three D charts and stuff um, and so I was just like yeah I'm gonna get it I got it and um, it. It was super powerful and super cool, but I was the only person I knew who had one. Mm. So Aww. it's like, I mean, I, I was very I was very much alone at the top. What was it capable <laughs> of? Like, could it play, like, more dope games? It could, yeah. Like, the – I don't know if you ever saw um, Street Fighter for the TI-89, but no. it looked straight up like – uh, like it would in an arcade, only black and white, mm. and maybe the scaling was just like not quite as sure, good. Yeah. But like it was basically the same. Um, you play Sonic that looked very much like Sonic the Hedgehog, even frame rate wise. Yeah, I mean it was it was a pretty incredible machine. And are they so effectively are these running through emulators that are just recreating the game, or are people like doing the legwork to like build this stuff mm. from scratch? That I'm not entirely sure. I think mm. it might vary from. Case to case, yeah. but like mm-hmm. I think I know it wasn't as simple as just like dragging and dropping code oh, onto right, whatever. I think they did. Um, I think they did have individual sprites which they like custom inserted into the games and their own backgrounds and stuff. And they had to go through like a lot of these programs worked through shells mm. that you know worked through a certain language or whatever. So I mean, it was 
I think the result of people um, mostly just bored high school kids sure. just <laughs> doing this stuff, like taking, you know, and we probably all had that like phase in our in our childhoods where we're like, yeah, I'm going to spend this stupid amount of time doing this completely stupid, pointless yeah. thing. <laughs> and that was their thing. There's, there's a purity to it that um, honestly doesn't exist in very many places anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was it was really crazy. Did people have these calculators like in lieu of actual gay boys? I will say that I did, yeah. You did? Because I, I had a Game Boy, um, and then as soon as I got my calculator, I stopped playing it because <laughs> it was just so much so better because yeah, you could make your own stuff. Yeah. You could. There were so many more games that um, were out there that you could just get for free. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. which is great. I guess this was like GBA era. If I had to, mm, it like would have been. Like it was nineties. Yeah, it's like ninety nine. Yeah, so yeah, I guess like Game Boy Color. Game Boy Color is it Game Boy Color? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah. I mean, at that point, like Game Boy Color was not really capable of running like an actual Street Fighter game. Like it was always like a like a Street Fighter Alpha, like flat, like right. basic. Right. It was kind of. I mean, they were good, but this is so weird to me. I mean, I did watch other people play games oh, on you their never had, so all you had was um, done I was game. a good good student so I didn't have games <laughs> <laughs> later. That's amazing. but oh, I man. would I would watch the other kids play Mario <laughs> calculators <laughs> so the idea of you know using my calculator as my game boy mm. or whatever it's just so funny and strange to me i was such a bad student that i mean obviously you get away with having your calculator out in like math class and like you could stretch it to even be like chemistry class although like mm. not really <laughs> but like i would have mine out in just straight up have it out in history class <laughs> and she'd be like um so what, what are you doing over there i'm like um yeah, I'm just calculating how many years between Gettysburg and Appomattox. She's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, also, I feel like there's no scenario where you would ever need two hands on a calculator if you were using it for legit. I'm calculating very fast. <laughs> oh my god! And all the teachers are just like, that kid's kind of weird. He's really into his calculator. I guess he just loves math. Why did he drag his gamer chair into school? <laughs> Um, I just had a flashback to probably the nerdiest thing I ever did in school, which was I had my TA-83, and on the back of it I wrote, don't panic, because I was a hitchhiker's gun. Oh, that's, that's super it's nerdy. very nerdy. You have my respect. Um, but not nerdy enough to be smart enough to make games. So clearly I was lacking some gene in my brains. I do remember there was a very good Brick Breaker game that I don't remember the name of, but like very intense, a lot of competition mm-hmm. there. I mentioned Street Fighter. And uh, the penguin platforming game. Did either of you play this very difficult penguin game? No. no oh, what? I remember this. I yes. vaguely remember it. Um, it was just a, it was a 2D platformer, 2D right? 2D platformer, the simple, like, sub-NES graphics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you were a penguin, and there was ice blocks, and you just had to, like, survive. Yes. Oh, that sounds horrible. It was so difficult. I have not so thought of that in, like, 20 years. Mm. That's amazing. And I feel like there was also this line, a line game. It was like a single button line game where you had to like stay in the middle. All these games, I don't even know what like what I would even search for to find these yeah. games anymore because mm-hmm. they just have like visceral memories attached, yeah. but no branding. Oh yeah, no one bothered to make like a title screen or anything. You just jumped right in. Yeah. So did uh, you guys just not learn any math? Is that, well, clearly, is that what I, I don't know what away. graphs are even for. So clearly, I, didn't <laughs> I learned very simple algebra, and I was like, "Yeah, that's enough for me. That's all I need." <laughs> Hi, listeners! I want to tell you about a new podcast, The Arthur Brooks Show. That's me, Arthur Brooks, and I'm the president of the American Enterprise Institute. 
a think tank in Washington, D.C. I see bitter disagreement all the time, and it's terrible. We need some way to disagree, not less, but better. So this is a series that looks at the art of disagreement. The first episode is out July 12th. Find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And most of all, subscribe right now. I want to talk about some of the games that you made. Mm-hmm. Uh, you made a game called Teachers, which you talked about. Yeah. Um, you made a word processor, which sounds very boring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is the nerdiest thing I have ever done, which is saying a whole lot. Um, this is when I had my TI-89. And which again nobody had mm. uh, except for me in, in my school. And like for our sixth period class, we were like, okay, um, y'all need to invent something. Um, it can be anything or whatever. And like, of course, for most kids, that was just like, well, we're gonna make a robot and glue some old toilet paper tubes <laughs> together, give them arms and silly string and stuff and whatever. But like for me, I was like, no, I'm going to invent a computer program. Mm. So what I did was. I decided I was going to make a word processor where you could turn your calculator sideways and use it as a QWERTY keyboard and, like, look over on the side and, like, type <laughs> like this. And I even, like, printed out, like, an overlay, Whoa. a paper overlay that you would wrap around the calculator. Wow. Just to, like, and, like show type. what the keys were? Yeah, That's yeah, awesome. exactly. And it was, it, it was one of those things, like... It was almost like performance art because nobody would ever have any use for it. I was making it just for me so I could type stuff, and I didn't even want to do anything with it. (laughs) And I made it so that I had to make a special font for the uh, characters to display sideways so you could read it. And it was just – I could have been doing so many other things. But that's much better than the cardboard. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) True. A true upgrade. How long did that take you? Oh, man. Um, Well, me, I was partnered up with um, one of my friends, and um, like three days into it, he was just like, you know what? You just do it. I was like, yeah, thank you. Just (laughs) leave me alone. Exactly. (laughs) Where were you you in the group? (laughs) I would have been the, I would have been you making the thing. (laughs) I would have been like, guys, I know this is due in a week, but we got to finish it today. And everyone would be like, okay, well. Right. (laughs) You got to like, have fun. Collaboration is bad. Never do it. Um, You also, made a franchise mode baseball game mm-hmm. that's another game that was just for me is that was, like a stratomatic kind of thing or sort of um, one thing that TI-89 did that was pretty weird was that it um, had support for spreadsheets databases that mm-hmm. kind of thing so you could um, input your own thing so what I did is I would straight up bring a newspaper to school that had all the sports stats on it and I would individually put like oh Roberto Alomar has a 289 batting average so I'd put that in and be the, I'd try to like make a database for every baseball statistics. And are you statistics. doing all this on the calculator itself, or can you, like, dra- drag in, like, a, a spreadsheet, like, from an actual computer? In this case, I couldn't figure out how to do it. So <laughs> I was just pegging it into my little, just, like, hunting, because there's no real more comfortable way to do it than to hunt and peck. So sure. I was just using my two little in- index fingers to, like, put in data. <laughs> like, so I've got a shitty cartoon. And what was the actual game? Like, what did you do with that? Um, it was supposed to be a game where you could, it was sort of like a front office baseball simulator where you would make trades and stuff. And I don't know where I was going with it because I eventually wanted to, um, program an AI, Hmm. um, which is something you can't just decide to do. You have to like, (laughs) I mean, you can, (laughs) whether you'll be successful. (laughs) Right, right. I was just like, I'll cross that bridge when I come to it. Yeah. It never, it's still in, um, it's vaporware is what we could call it. Sure. <laughs> it might still come out. Who knows? Yeah, it's, it might. It's done when it's done. You don't know. 
Um, yeah, that's very industrious. I, I can't claim any of that. But but now I'm uh, I want to like dig mine out. It's got to be mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. You don't know where yours is. Uh, I can't say I do. I mean, yeah. they used AA batteries, so I'm sure like the corrosion from oh, the battery yeah. acid probably has probably exploded. killed them all. But yeah. um, which is a shame because I mean those things are still like I bet they would be super cool to, to mess around with. Yeah. yeah? I'll bet yeah. on eBay you could probably find like used ones for kids that are in college that have no use for them like English majors they're like why do I even still have <laughs> right right and now I'm kind of tempted I, I really want to get one now because I missed out because I was too nerdy and good oh man it's time for that community to come back into vogue isn't it I mean yeah yeah, yeah let's make it happen um, good news if you are no longer looking to give money to Texas Instruments there is an app called Desmos which essentially does every single thing the TI-83 does for free on the App Store. I think it's on Android as well. Mm-hmm. And it's actually starting to kind of catch on in various school, school districts. So the general feeling is that the um, the monopoly is coming to an end. Oh, good. But can you play games? I mean, it's on your iPhone, so it'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> you have some options. Um, so that is that is good news. Um, but yeah, I mean, TI-83, I should say, gaming, by and large... It does feel like a bygone era. I don't think there's any kids. Like, kids have Fortnite on their phones. There's no yeah. way a kid is going to go through the trouble to, like, hack a stupid number game together. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> kind of like, I mean, it's kind of my view at large for being, I feel like really lucky to grow up and come of age when I did just because when I was growing up, all of a sudden stuff was getting very cool very fast. And mm-hmm. the gap in technology between even like 1993 and 2003 was just like a, a breakneck pace. Yeah. And I feel like, I mean, and that could like start up again, but I don't know if we'll have another moment like that anytime mm-hmm. soon. We're like, yeah, no, stuff's pretty good now. And like, it's really, we can do whatever we can think of. And the scary thought is like, eh, maybe we're just not that creative and our imaginations yeah. are kind of limited, you know? Like thinking about how, yeah, like 90, 93 to 2003, like in 93, there wasn't internet in schools no. widely, I would imagine, versus 2003, like you could probably do like all of your homework on the internet or whatever, or like email your teachers. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's so interesting to think about. Like, the internet is never going to be surpassed, probably, right? So these kids are never going to know what it's like to not use a computer in class. Yeah, not really. I mean, it was just like, you know, I remember being a kid and, and even being able to do this simple thing, going back to what we were saying about, like, oh, this I made this very simple program and it actually did what I wanted it to do. And now it's just we've got Roombas and stuff, and it's just <laughs> none, none of this stuff surprises any, anymore. Yeah. I do think the one place that we're kind of seeing a little bit of that is the Raspberry Pi programming oh, stuff, yeah. which, like, feels like a good entry point for people that, like, want to start messing with that stuff. Um, I haven't, <laughs> but people say it's pretty easy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard of that. Yeah, it's just a very cheap uh, board um, that you can essentially do whatever you want with it. Uh, you can get them for like 30 bucks a pop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're very versatile and very ubiquitous in the sense that like a lot of people are programming for them. Uh, I was uh, Even like Marvel uses them when they do like 3D scanning for CGI. They hook up like 60 cameras to each with its own Raspberry Pi and use that to like funnel all the data into the computers. Oh, so, wow. So they're like, it's, it's a pretty well-known uh, platform. And uh, so I think that's, Maybe kind of the thing, but oh, that's super cool. In terms of like educational tools, 
there's nothing like this. Yeah, that was kind of, yeah, the 883 kind of served as like a Trojan horse for a lot of stuff. Not just for a weird, super cool gaming community, but for, you know, that kind of technological curiosity, which is like, well, you have to have this thing. Totally. And you don't have a whole lot of distractions in your life. So, like, yeah, mess around with this thing until you learn something. Totally. We're going to jump into reader-only memories, our section where we uh, talk about some of the some of the people that sent in their own personal TI-89 and 83 and 84 gaming stories. Um, uh, at Title Rabbit called out the Penguin platforming game as well. Hey! <laughs> Represent whatever that game is called. Yeah. <laughs> um, we have a tweet from Rob St- Steeman, I want to say. Uh, weirdly, I learned to write code on the TI-83. I spent pretty much all my time on the school bus writing a terrible Zork-esque text-based RPG. Wow. Now I'm a programmer for a living. Cool. Me wow. and the t- TI-89 go way back. Uh, so that's awesome. TI-83 goes way back. That's Yeah, that's awesome, Rob. Very good to hear. Um, we had a few people actually respond saying that they are now game developers and stuff like that, and that was like their first entry to it. Um, we also have this story from Nate on Twitter is his uh, account <laughs> name. Uh, my friend and I had Pokemon Yellow on our TI-84s. <sighs> That's uh, so my cool. My friend was battling the Elite Four in pre-calc class when our math teacher, a Catholic priest, caught him and made him take the batteries out <gasps> in front of the whole class. No! Oh, oh, brutal. Oh. <laughs> You'll never get back to the Elite Four. That's no, it. I guess because you shot. can't save or anything. Uh, you probably can, can save. You? Oh. I think it was probably okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> if the priest was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to let you delete that save and release all your Pokemon <laughs> into the wild. Like a super tech-savvy priest <laughs> who, just, who knows you also have to remove the uh, button cell lithium batteries and <laughs> erase the onboard memory. <laughs> yes, no more saving in Zelda allowed. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and that's it. That's it for the episode. John, thank you so much for joining us. This was so much fun, y'all. Thank yeah, you. It was, yeah, it was thanks wicked. for coming. Um, John is in the midst of working on a very cool documentary series for on the history of MMA. Yeah. Um, I also want to call out his supremely excellent, uh, excellent uh, 17,776 series on SB Nation. I don't know how else people Google it except typing that number in. Mm-hmm. And maybe football would probably bring it up. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but really awesome uh, series that he did there on SB Nation. And uh, yeah, thank you, John. Really of appreciate course. it. Of course. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank you, Allegra, for, for, for joining us as well, of as ever. Of course. <laughs> I really want to go buy one of these calculators. Totally. Do it. Um, and thank you to everyone at home for listening to The History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. Goodbye. <laughs> Leap those dips. <laughs> Tips. <laughs>